On episode 24 of Stack Overflow, Joel and Jeff conduct a special New York City roundtable discussion with every member of the Stack Overflow team present. They're joined by Jared Dixon, Jeff Dalgas, and Michael Pryor on IT Conversations. Hi, this is Phil Windley. Today I'm excited to bring you another great program from Stack Overflow with Joel Spolsky and Jeff Atwood here on IT Conversations. The Conversations Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need your help. For a tax-deductible donation of as little as $5 per month, you can support this channel and the rest of the Conversations Network. So please visit conversationsnetwork.org to become a member and help us continue to bring our programs to the world for free. Our audio files are delivered by Limelight Networks, the high-performance content delivery network for digital media. And now, here's Stack Overflow. Oh, you're recording already? Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going we're gonna to use some of this for the podcast. Probably not all of it, not all of it. If there's anything that we want to be secret or anything, and we won't use that. Check, check, check. So how's your trip been to New York? What have you guys been doing? Hanging out at the office, right? This really? Like You're hanging out at the office? Programmers <laughs> be. We did, we did go to the Upright Citizens Brigade last night. Oh, cool. It's not a good night for that. No? Dad, it wasn't. They weren't funny? Well, okay, so there was, it, was, it was a smackdown, some sort of one, person, one group versus another sort of thing. And the second guy, although he was good, was, it was not improv. He did like a whole scene... Some sort of zombie-infested thing where and it was actually well done for what it was, but it wasn't improv. Right. Where he was talking to the other people, and then he switched characters, and he was talking to the other character. But it was like, okay, first of all, it's kind of scary because it's like about zombies, and yeah. it wasn't really that funny. Plus, it was like, where was the improv? What was he improvising? I hate improv people. They're always trying to cheat. Well, I think that was a massive cheat because, like, he's like, bring us some words, spatula, and it was like, did he ever even <laughs> use it in a sentence? At least the first group, because they did fuzzy dice, they did some car-related stuff, yeah. which was, I mean, that's reasonable, you know. It's improv is hard. I mean, so the part I, with the double-barreled shotgun was he was blowing his head off. That was bad. That was horrible. Well, it was just it was just pretty just intense. Terrible. I didn't view it as funny at all. I don't, really, I don't know why people were laughing. I kind of had that reaction. It's like people are just laughing because they think right, they're supposed, you're supposed to laugh. To laugh. I was like, this is not, this is serious. This is like a, a drama. There might have been a professional laugher in the audience to <laughs> encourage them. We should have some laughers on our show. We, uh, we, or just that laugh the track. The, laugh track. the Pamela does that, doesn't it? Dalgus subjects me to that occasionally. He's like, more, more, more. I took them to sushi last night and made them eat sea urchin. Oh, wow. Yeah, Jeff was not happy about that. Jeff ate sea urchin. Yeah. I, I didn't tell, I said, here, try this. He goes, what is it? I said, I'll tell you what yeah. it is after you eat it. Yeah, that should have been so my he first starts sign. chewing on it, right? And then he puts the whole thing in his mouth. He's chewing, he's chewing, he's chewing. And then I see that he's grabbing his beer like, <laughs> while to he's take still a chewing. sip, and he's still chewing. He's got like his mouth full, and he's like, I need to, I need to drink this. That's because that stuff is like rubber erasers, right? Oh, no, no, no. It tastes like, um, what's the texture like? It's like a small a jelly. Like, a, like imagine if you took a, a like if, if you could carve a jelly out of a human or like a living thing oh. and then eat it. That's what, <laughs> Sounds delicious, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, no warning at all. Just here, try this. But you did it. Of course. Poor Jeff. Yeah, Jeff will I'm try gullible. anything. Whatever. Yeah, he is. He really is. That's <laughs> anything. Really Let's He's go around the table. Everybody should introduce themselves because they're good listeners at home, possibly. Listening okay. to some of this, maybe. All right. Michael, I vote. I'm Joel. Everybody knows me because I'm on every week. I'm Michael. I'm co-founder of Fog Creek. Yep. And I'm Jeff Atwood of Coding Horror and also working with Joel on Stack Overflow. I'm Jared Dixon. I'm working with Jeff Atwood on Stack Overflow. And Jeff Dalgas working with Jeff Atwood on Stack Overflow. 
So everybody here has been on the podcast as guests. Mm-hmm. And you and I have to do it every single week. That's right. So I'm pleased that our office, you find the Fog Creek office in New York cool enough that you want a vacation by working at the Fog Creek office in New York and you call that a vacation. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's a little bit addictive. We talked about this before where it's just you want to work on Stack Overflow. I don't know what it is. There's this positive feedback loop of people really like it. Like even today, I was getting emails from people. Uh, that guy Phil from Component Factory wrote a whole blog entry about how he loved Stack Overflow and how addictive it was. And Cool. There's this positive feedback loop, and that makes me want to work on it more. All of our advertisers are people who are users. Like they use it, and they're like, oh, my God, i got to advertise. <laughs> yeah, that was like the dream host thing. Like they, yep. they, if you listen to the podcast, they have an ad. IT conversation in the ad for DreamHost. Because they're sponsoring the podcast. Yeah, and then I went to the, the URL, was like dreamhost.com slash Joel, so I went to it, and it was like this whole page all about Stack Overflow and about the people there and um, how they have a special deal for you because we love Stack Overflow. And well, thanks to DreamHost for sponsoring the podcast. Yeah, DreamHost is pretty cool. Actually, well, <laughs> opinions vary <laughs> on what DreamHost will give you. I'll just say that. Uh, but I have said that I, I've read the DreamHost blog and I was impressed with the openness and the, the, the sort of conversational tone they have and like just you know just programmers like you I, I did appreciate that so it's good to see them perpetuating that. Now were they famous for, for 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 accidentally charging everybody for a year? Yes, but they had a whole blog entry about it, which was I nice. I, I really yeah. like that. That's like my. We made this massive. It was a massive, massive mistake. This is like lose all your customers type of mistake. Serious, right? And they had a whole blog entry like, oh, this is what we did, and this is why it happened, and here's what we're going to do to fix it. And they charged all their customers for a year instead of a month or something. And it was like a programming bug, too. I can't remember the exact details. Typo, yeah. But it was some... And I, I do well, not they blame checking. them. They weren't checking something. If it was like some date that was like backwards or future, yeah, they yeah. weren't ruling it out. It, it, I, I don't blame them at all, because we, we have certainly made our billing <laughs> mistakes in our time. It's usually never more than a few people, but right. I think for the first six or... I would even say the first 12 months when we were doing automated billing, every, the first of every month we would come in, the automated billing happened on Saturday, and it was Monday, and we'd be like, uh-oh. Somebody would be like, there's $13,000 charge on my card. And I found out because Copilot. it was maxed out and I couldn't buy gas. So we changed, we changed that to actually ru- only run on uh, a work day. So it would be here. That's probably smart. We added a lot we, of checks. We added a lot yeah. of things. And then we added, then we changed it so that the billing actually happens 10 days before we charge the card. So we figure out how much you owe us and tell everyone. And then 10 days later, we charge them so that there's a big period of time to catch that kind of thing um, in case right. something does go wrong. Well, that's why when we deploy Stack Overflow, we always do it like, we don't like deploy and go to bed. Right, we deploy right. and then like watch the error log very, very closely for like 10 to 15 minutes. That's always been a rule at Fog Creek, don't ship on Friday. Yeah. No, that's a very sane, sane rule. But with, with regards to advertising, um, one of the things I like about uh, Stack Overflow and, and I've done with Coding Horror is what I call responsible advertising, where A, you try to pick advertisers that are at least compatible with your audience, mm-hmm. right? That sort of get it. And you know, like for our first week, it was very exciting for us to get Woot because, you know, Woot is really cool. I mean, yeah. I actually, I had a promotional mailing from Woot that I liked so much, I kept it in my mailbox for like a week as like a model of like when you send mail to people, this is kind of what it should be like, because I actually enjoyed reading it, mm-hmm. and I was like, "This is fun. This is entertaining. This this is like." They must. There must just be one person. They have a great writer. Somebody there who's a great writer. Yeah, and they're weekly. And they do it every week too. Amazing. Like the guy that comes up with our podcasts, they're daily. Oh really? Yeah, and they're funny. How long are they? It's like half an like, hour. No, the podcasts are they're just clips. They're like two minutes. And it's just this guy playing show tunes basically and writes all the lyrics for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, always, it's always good. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great and that's the kind of advertisers we want to attract. I mean, the, the, I turned a, down an advertiser. 
I don't know, or a sponsor, sorry, a sponsor of IT Conversations, which was Audible, which sponsors a lot of podcasts. And the reason I, I didn't really turn them down, I talked to Doug about this, and we both agreed that we didn't really want Audible. One is because, um, no offense, but I don't like Audible because of the DRM. The one time I tried to buy a book from them, right. I had a DRM issue and lost it promptly. Maybe that happened twice, and it was just like not worth dealing with anymore. And, uh, but the real reason is that they wanted us to read the, they wanted us to, to talk in our own voices as if we were advocating audible.com. Right. They wanted uh, us to do a couple of minutes in the show, you know, pick a book and talk about it or something like that. Um, and that's deeply crossing the line, I think. Well, I think it, it's crossing the line for, for several reasons. One is that you don't actually like or use their products. <laughs> right. I mean, I think actually I would view this a little differently because I don't mind talking about Woo because I, I've actually bought one or two things from Woo every yeah. now and then, and I actually like them. So, I mean, if, if it's something you normally do, I mean, this is sort of the philosophy of Uncoding Horror. If it's a, I have no problem affiliate linking stuff that I like and have bought because yeah. I'm kind of vouching for them, I'm saying this is good stuff. I bought it. Um, I'm right. the guinea pig, so you know, if you don't like it, then you know, it's not like I'm telling you to do something I haven't done myself. Mm-hmm. Do you think back in the 50s when they had like television shows where they would actually, there would be no stop in the show and they would just have like a commercial in the middle of the show? Yeah. Do you think people reacted badly to that then? Because no, that, they went they out and bought the thing that. immediately. Like they, they would <laughs> well, there be were having... like three channels though. Come on. There was three? nothing else, pretty much. I thought two. I thought it was CBS and NBC. Uh, yeah, it was a very narrow market at that point. For the first 25 years. But you're right. So. There's yeah. this interesting divide where back in the olden days they just had commercials like seamlessly well, now mixed they, in with the program. When right? they do that now in like a movie or something you see an Apple you know, it's a placement or something. And yeah, everyone gets all like, oh, it's a placement. And, That's because they, it's, first of all, it's, it's infringing on the artistic integrity. But secondly, because they're not admitting that they're doing it. Like if you watch those old-timey TV shows, it was just absolutely gratuitous the way they would turn around and start, start talking about <laughs> soap yeah, in yeah. the middle of... of uh, you know, a it was not drama about something all. else. No, it was it was hey, not subtle <laughs> at all. And so they would say, you know, the, maybe the host would say, and now a word from our sponsor, or, or you know, you know, I use whatever tied with green specks to wash my laundry. The green specks don't make your clothes green, but they get them extra white, which is surprising because they start out <laughs> green. And then you talk uh, talk for that for a while, and you knew it was an advertisement. I'm kind of intrigued by for. these green specks now that you've talked about them like this. Tied with green specks, like I I want to get some. Yeah. Exactly. That was the whole idea. <laughs> but then you but wait. Come back. Come back. <laughs> Get over here. It seems like we're moving back towards that, though. If you look at, yeah. like, you watch a football, you know, you watch football, and they all have the Motorola headsets, right? It's big Motorola. But they're trying to sneak something past you. You know what I mean? Like, they're not admitting that they're doing an advertisement. They're just like, what about Speedo for the Olympics? Cup you know? of Coke on. Oh, Speedo didn't even have to pay for that. I don't think. I yeah, think Speedo not. just totally locked out that they had the best uh, swimming suit. But it's uh, like, uh, what, what, what's the show where the people sing that are really bad? American Sometimes Idol? they're good. Thank you. American Idol. And they've all got <laughs> a Coke. Cool. They've yeah. all got Coke cups oh, yeah. in front yeah. of them, which they never drink from. Yeah. Um, and then, and then uh, I guess there was a local news show where Dunkin' Donuts was trying to push their coffee. So they had fake cups of Dunkin' that. Donuts coffee on the, on the table. And it's a news it's a news show, you know? There's, there's, there's got to be some journalistic integrity. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. this trend has been around a while. I remember, I don't yeah. know if it was the first or second Wayne's World movie. There's the one scene where he's sitting there, he's decked out in like Adidas overalls. He's had a big bag of Doritos. And it's like every product you can think of, they just go through a minute monologue of like, look how delicious these are. And, like, it's like, and that was like, the, it had to be the early 90s. So That was when there was sort of a lot of, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Counter reaction to the first big product placement when Sony bought uh, a, uh, a studio. 
Oh, right. And uh, and then they started putting all these embedded ads for Sony products in, what was that Schwarzenegger movie with a little kid where it's a guy who goes back in time and the hero and the... Not Terminator? Terminator? No. Last action. Last, Last action hero. Last action hero. What actually had so much, like, over the top. Like, for example, all the music were, were Sony recording artists from... Sony Records and Tapes, which they'd also bought. Mm-hmm. And uh, the director, I assume, was unhappy about it, and they were sort of unhappy about being forced right. to use... Um... Okay, so anyway, what we, uh, what's the purpose of... We're, we're, this is going to be a good podcast, I assume. We're just sitting around <laughs> talking about... Yeah, well, the, the reason ads come up is because, you know, this is ultimately a commercial venture, and we've tried to be very upfront about that, is we do ultimately kind of want to make a living yeah. doing this. <laughs> uh, and doing get it responsibly. Get rich. Well, I, who, who knows? I don't know what's going to happen. Let's charge memberships <laughs> and use ROT13 on the homepage. Yeah. Yeah, one, 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 a couple ideas that I've really dismissed out of hand is the idea of people should donate money to us. I, I just don't, I don't really like that model. I don't know why. It just right. feels like they're giving us so much of their time by actually participating in the site that to give us money is just like, it feels really wrong to me. It's like you're giving us your time. That is the thing yeah. that you're contributing to us. Like, hey, we could we could sell like little Stack Overflow um, stacks, <laughs> stacks like nice. little fluffy <laughs> promotional furry items. stacks yeah, well, that well, you put on your desk. Michael had the the idea of, of giving people swag. stickers and T-shirts based on really high rep levels, which I think we'll probably do. Eventually, we will have T-shirts and stickers. You and could that get stuff these, is always fun. Maybe just like a little pile of lucite things that piles up sort of like our logo <laughs> like it, it's like a desk toy right just like sure. like little square lucite slabs at a tower of five or six of those in different colors sure that's kind of a stack overflowy theme sure no I, I think we want to explore that and certainly as we start getting ad income and things start moving forward we'll have money to do that stuff so. well no i'm just thinking people could buy that from us for say 150 dollars, and we could get it made in china for two <laughs> you think they'll be that into Stack Overflow? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I what about what about this? So the idea of reputation, right, is to make sure that somebody is not, you know, serious about the site that they can't do certain things until they, you know, given some to the community. Um, what if you don't have a lot of time and you just want to pay for it? Um, oh, buy reputation. We can sell reputation. Yeah. Well, I think that devalues. There's going to the be reputation, reputation farms in India in, in, in a few weeks. <laughs> they won't call them no, farms because it. it'll be air conditioned. Well, stuff. if you allowed people to trade it, if you allowed people to give it to other people, then they, they, they can well, do that. One, there wouldn't be a market. No, they would set up accounts. They would set up accounts, right, and they would mean. be on eBay. It would be like a Stack Overflow account with 3,250 oh, red. Right. And you could just uh-huh. jump That's in there. Mm-hmm. Great. You could use it to spam stuff. That's Does great. that happen yet? Have you searched eBay for Stack Overflow? No, that hasn't happened. I don't think there's that much investment in the characters on Stack Overflow yet. I'm selling my account. Does anybody want user ID number four? And you're, well, a, you're moderator? Also a moderator. That would be worth. That would be worth. That would. That would be bad. That would be bad. Um, One thing we have talked about doing with regards to giving rap to other people is there's still the issue of okay, what, when is a question answered? How do you tell if a question has an answer? So this is sort of a metaphysical problem of like. Some questions, I don't know if they can ever really be answered. Yeah. <laughs> What's the meaning of life, et cetera, et cetera. But there's ways to phrase your question that can make it difficult for anyone to really answer them. But assuming you, you phrase your question correctly and it is a legitimate question that has an answer, sometimes you just don't get really the responses you want. It's not super common, but it happens. Mm-hmm. And people complain about it. And, and they're like, well, what do I do? How do I yeah. get this question to get more interest? Like, do I push it to the top of the stack? Do I edit it? Oh, um, pay us a dollar, and we'll push it to the top of the stack. Well, no, I <laughs> no, wasn't I thinking that. I was thinking more like you could you could offer to say, hey, I'll give you 100 of my rep. If I get a question that I like and I accept the answer, you'll get 100 of my rep. Oh. Yeah, so well, you're auction. slicing off a, a It's not even an auction. It's, 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 it's kind of like a, a tip. Bounty. It's a bounty. Yeah, you bounty. give people the ability to tip some of their rep 
to the people that give the answer. In addition to the, how, many, how much do they get for accepting an answer? How many points is accepting an answer? Uh, 15 to the target and, and two to you. Okay. So that's, that's what you get. So you could add a bounty to it. Because we've thought about having a bounty on un- unanswered questions for a while. And also people brought up this idea of, hey, I want to give rep to other people just as a thank you. Um, and, but I don't want to cause too much inflation in the rep system. That's the other problem is like relative to the current financial crisis. It's like you do have to think through, it is a little bit like an economy, right? Yep. And we have to have some limits on the growth. And we don't really care. That's true. It's sort of like Monopoly. Every time you pass go, you get $200. Yeah, and eventually there's, no there's so much money in the damn system. <laughs> yeah, there's tons of money. And no one's yeah. spending money. Yeah, nobody's really spending it, right? So this will be one way to actually spend it. When you play Monopoly, you could make a deal with all the people you're playing with to not do anything on the first 30 t- times around the board. Until everyone's rich. Until <laughs> everyone's real rich. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you're not really rich 20 times 30. That's um, not rich, is it? You could play that part sort of computerized, you know, just like, and then just give everybody an extra $18,000. What would, what would Monopoly be like? Is that how you like played Monopoly? Had, no. I, yeah, everybody starts off a millionaire. All right, great. Yeah. But I do, when I, when, I do, when I do play Monopoly, though, I usually allow people to make side deals and, and options. And, oh, sure. You know, I'll give you $50 for the right to buy whatever you're about to land on. But if, yeah. you, if you play that <laughs> way where they have a bunch now. of money, then it just comes down to whoever gets the first Monopoly basically win. Maybe. Maybe it just goes on for too long. So you buy properties just to prevent people from getting monopolies. And somebody could cheat. Somebody could renege on the agreement, and you wouldn't have any way of enforcing it. Well, that's it. the exciting part. Right? Other than you can't really trust anybody. Throwing the board on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Turning the table over. Oh, speaking of, running you, the room you remember your analogy of the people who throw the chess pieces. People are playing chess, and other people yes. are playing, let's throw the chess pieces around the park. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got an email from somebody pointing out, hey, there was actually a user throwing chess pieces around the park the other day. and So we have had a couple that might be a malicious users sort of come out of the woodwork, and we've made a few changes around that. But it, it's been pretty calm. Um, we haven't had too much. Anything any you want to talk about? Any interesting changes? Um, or are they like the, We haven't done a ton of changes because really we're just trying to stabilize the system because we were right. public like what, gosh, two weeks ago? Was it even two weeks ago? We're doing um, really small tweaks. We're doing really small tweaks and we're trying to just stabilize the system and remove any egregious mistakes that we've made from the system. Um, so there are some more changes coming down the pike. I would say, Jeff, the thing you're working on now is probably pretty big. That was a really high user voice voted item was people wanted a reputation graph. Mm-hmm. Of like, okay, where is my reputation coming from specifically? Mm. Um, and and so Jeff has this really cool jQuery graph system that's all built with JavaScript. Um, and you can actually, the way Jeff is building it, you can actually highlight section of the graph and say, what? Ha- show me for this date range, the section on the graph, exactly where my rep came from, um, and it'll show it. So that was a really high voted item. And then Jared's working on pagination. We have these questions that. <laughs> have like 300 answers. Mm-hmm. So already that's a problem. It's like, well, what kind of question really has 300 answers? What's your favorite programming comic? <laughs> yes, what's your favorite programming X, as we like to call it? What's yeah. your favorite programming food? What's your favorite programming girl your favorite movie? Mascot? Yeah. yeah, all that stuff, um, which is fine. And, and we talked about it on the previous podcast. It's okay for people to have some fun as long as it's semi on topic. We don't have a problem with that. But it needs to be paginated because we didn't really, we had no idea this would happen, mm-hmm. frankly. Mm-hmm. And like every time you hit that, you're doing 300 times a lot of <laughs> there is so sort it's of, a lot of load on the system. I would encourage you to start with really long pages, though, like 100 well, items. Because we, the, the, the risk is that if you do a, a, a pagination at 10, then new posts show up at 11. Nobody's going right. to look at them as long as there's a reasonable answer. And that might be the really good answer. You don't want to push it off just because it's 11th instead of 10th. Right. So maybe it's something you don't kick in unless it's a pretty... Or you know, maybe you could kick in early, but only if there, maybe it could be a 10 per page, but only if there are already 100 answers. 
Right. No, pagination, I, I realize there's a risk, because on any discussion forum you've ever participated in, it kind of sucks when you're the guy that gets pushes the topic to the next page. Right. Because a lot of people never really make it to that page. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a huge, so I, I, I actually appreciate that. But So we're thinking 30 currently, and the reason we're thinking 30 is because another change I made recently, um, people were complaining, and I think justifiably so, that people were getting a lot of reputation from these questions about what's your favorite programming cartoon, right? So let's say you post a cartoon, right? It's a funny cartoon, but yeah, yeah. you didn't make it. <laughs> right? Just, it has nothing to do with you. You just thought it might be funny. Right, and you're getting all this reputation boost off something you didn't even create that's kind of like funny. Yeah, but you went to the trouble of... Yeah, yeah, so you get some rep, but not like a ton. Like, you should get a lot of rep from like a really good technical answer to, you know, like mm -hmm. a problem that someone has posted. So what we did was we said, okay, how do you identify these kind of questions? And the answer is always they have tons and tons of answers, like 30, 50, 100, 300. So maybe, literally. yeah. So at 30, here's what currently happens. When, you, when somebody posts that 30th answer, mm -hmm. everything in that question gets converted to wiki community-owned mode. Oh. Okay, so, two, so that means two things. One is the rep uh, barrier for editing is pretty low. It's like 750 versus like 2,000, which is what it normally is. Mm -hmm. And uh, voting on anything in that, in that question, either the question or the answers, those votes just go towards the topic. They don't go back to your reputation of the person who posted it. So that way people can get some rep, right? So until it gets to 30, you're still accruing rep. But once that 31st answer is posted, the rep just goes to the information. Um, and that's just sort of a natural delineation point we have in the system. It's kind of like the, the edit limit. If something gets edited too much, it converts. It's a very similar thing. Right. We've just built some transitions it. into the system. Do you put all these rules onto that Stack Overflow FAC? Yeah, and in fact, we have users that are really gung-ho about maintaining the FAC and have really helped us oh, out a lot, like yeah. Justin Standard in particular. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's... And, um, I met him at the Business Software Conference. Yeah, he's really gung-ho about it. And, and there's several users. I'm forgetting. I'm, I don't mean to single out Justin because there's other users who have done a tremendous amount of work around this. Um, but it is the goal for the community to own that stuff, mm -hmm. right? And I'll participate. I'll help. I'll say, okay, here's what we did and here's how we did it and let me clarify these rules for you. Um, but it, it's very much a community endeavor for them to document the system in a way that people can find it. And I'm going to link to it. So, so, so we sort of have the static fact page, right, which is the HTML page. Uh, and I'm going to link to the individual sections from there. So that will be editable. So I think that's a nice hybrid of sort of fixed content that doesn't get edited and then user content that you could potentially contribute to. As a, what, know, if, what if you made a decision that, that the community actually disagree with? Or there was a strong contingent in the community that was like, I don't really like this. Like, how do they push back and get that feedback to you. Uh, I mean, there's user voice, right? So you right. could go there and put a comment up there and then everyone voted up. But There's a couple you... people in the reception room waiting to move with the machetes. <laughs> uh, there's a mob. <laughs> they got, but they got some you... kind of open ID t-shirts yeah. on. If you go through... a line through it, like a circle and then a line. I don't know yeah, what that I mean, means. That, I mean, nice. that's a good topic, though. It's like if, if there's a bunch of people that... Like, obviously, if somebody asks for something and no one else asks for it, it's like, okay, it's a very low-priority request, like, even if I think it's a good idea. Right. But if a lot of people ask for it, there's still stuff on user voice that's going to pop to the top, and it's like, sometimes you just don't want to do it, or you don't think it's a good idea, and then what happens, like, to that comment? Like, user voice is weird in that way, because then you have to publicly either kill the topic. Like, I have a topic up there that I started that's like... Really high up now. Well, I wouldn't say it's really high up. Actually. Well, it's, it's in the top twenty. <laughs> I looked at the numbers. It's in the top twenty. That's great. It's in the top what, was your, what was your topic? It was to allow another um, logon other than OpenID. Oh, the, the um, internal OpenID thing. So there's been a lot of those, and Jeff usually just closes them because he doesn't well, want to do it. them politely. Yeah, but like, what happens? Like, if you decline this one, then like, basically, if how does it's weird because well, I let them sit around for a while. 
right? Okay. So people can get their vote in and, and all that stuff. And then sometimes strategically, it just I, I think there's it's sort of the whole Steve Jobs thing of where you know you have to make product level decisions about what it is you're actually creating. You know, the community is, is participating and owns it partially, but I don't think the community really has all the same information you do. They, they may not share, not everybody in the community has the same vision you do for the direction you want to go. Some do. I think some people totally get Stack Overflow, and I think mm -hmm. actually the majority do. So I think it's not like we're in some wrong direction where tons of people are saying, this is wrong, this is totally the wrong direction. We're getting lots of really positive feedback about Stack Overflow, and even the OpenID thing is just, that's just an implementation detail. That's not like strategic direction thing. Um, but in that particular case, it is a little bit strategic and then I feel like we're kind of taking a little bit of a political stand on this and saying, okay, there's this chicken and egg problem on the web, right? Where you have all this you know, mm. identity floating around that's just kind of a giant pain in the butt for everybody. And I think there's a, a condition of people that really like the status quo, that say, okay, it's, I'm fine with the idea that I have 100 websites and I have 100 different logins. Now, they might in fact have one login that they just keep copying and pasting a password, but I just don't feel that's really sustainable. So I think it's a little bit, and maybe this is emblematic of other decisions I might make that might people might disagree with, is that it's a little bit political. It's a little bit of like taking a position on something. Like this is the way we think it should be a couple years from now. Well, what about the rebuttal to that, which is that if you feel that way, then why not make Stack Overflow an open ID provider? And so then you could still create an account, and now you have an open ID account. If you didn't even know what this was, you came to Stack Overflow, it's a political statement, you're saying, this is a great thing, right. so I come here and I'm like, but I don't know what it is, now why can't I just make one here? Well, I would rather just partner. I mean, if you want to go that route, I would just say, hey, we love my open ID or whoever it is, this is our preferred. You can use other providers, of course, because it's an open standard, but we'd say, we love these guys, we work with them closely, we have like a one-click, I'm really surprised. we have yeah. a one-click thing. That's what it is, like why isn't there a provider out there that's, that makes, that makes uh, OEMable or white box Right, you put an iframe in there or whatever to create right. the account on the page and then boom, you put in the, the stuff and I then mean, you're just logged that's in. That's the direction then, to go with this. I mean, I think if, if that's... Yeah. I, I think that would solve everyone's concerns. Right, right. Because yeah. then I'm supporting the ecosystem, which is my, my political goal, and then you know it, it becomes easier, which is the more practical goal. I, I'm surprised that my open ID doesn't... That, I mean, they seem to be... They seem to have a relatively good attitude, but they're also... Like, everything they do is a little bit too complicated, has a few too many configuration options, and it's just a little bit too painful. Right. And they seem to be the only people that are out there that are really betting the farm on OpenID in a way. You know, everybody else, like the Yahoo's and the Google's. And the well, what's their business model? I mean, Amazon. we know what our business model is. What's their business model? Beats tech out of me. Maybe it's these <laughs> white box OEM <laughs> OpenID providers that we're just talking about. Yeah. I don't know. Right. Right. But we do factor tons of the community input in. And, and some of it we just can't follow up on. I mean, it's just it, they have a different vision for where we want to go than what we do. But, I mean, I can point to dozens and dozens of things on user voice that I've gotten great ideas from and we've actually implemented either partially or in full. To me, uh, so let's talk about what, what, what are all our priorities for what we want to see. Let's go around the table. Everybody pick one thing. I'm going to go first so none of you can pick my thing. Okay, so like what, one give, thing me, that you give me most a time horizon see. for what we're talking next. about. Next. Like what's the next The very task. next thing. The next, you know, you finish fixing bugs and then you're like, okay, i got some time. I'm going to do a new feature okay. in Stack Overflow. Okay. What's it going to be? So everybody's got to think of one and we're going to go counterclockwise. So none of you can use mine. Michael's going to have the hardest job. Um, uh, and mine is, I, I, um, I, I want an optimized algorithm for unanswered questions. I want something, like I want us to focus on showing you unanswered questions that you are likely to be able to answer. Mm -hmm. uh, even if it's just tags that you have answered successfully in the past, sorting to the top of that list. Because right. I feel like in order to do our job best, we want to get people answers to their questions. And there's this very scary moment that happens when either a question disappears uh, off the homepage uh, and nobody's answered it 
or even worse, somebody answers it with a half answer, and so it even disappears off the unanswered page, which we've already decided it shouldn't. Um, and then it's like, hmm, this thing is now never going to appear again unless somebody happens to also have the same problem. And uh, there's a very serious risk that it won't get answered. And I'm, that's, that's what I'm scared of. And I, wanna, I, wa I know that the success of Stack Overflow and the good feedback I've been getting from people has been I asked a question and found the an answer and got an answer. So that's, right. my, that's my number one feature. I'd say, well, obviously, I'm working on it right now. So reputation oh, yeah. system um, and the visibility into how your, how your reputation is incrementing and decrementing just because there's, right now there isn't real great visibility. Right. You go to the site, you see your, see your reputation, but you have no idea really where it all came where, from. Where it came from. So, to have some visibility into that, and not only that, but to be able to to kind of show other people your reputation on another site, like being able to kind of the, the whole concept right. of having the card a card that you can have on your own website mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. kind of ports in and just says these are the this is my reputation on Stack Overflow and these are the number of badges I have. Right. It kind of gives a, a nice little. You know, right. Kudos to you for for how well you're. It's also and it's also questions. a clever backlink scheme, obviously. Well, because sure, right. I mean, I'm I'm not saying there's any problem because it's completely opt in. It's not yeah, like we're giving absolutely. you some fake award like that whole fake award scam. You've won this meaningless award. Congratulations! Now link have. back to us. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah, we should. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, this is legitimate because you use your voting site of the week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this is more to more legitimate what you're describing, and I think it's totally. We're going to do it. It's on the list. Sure. Uh, because people enjoy participating, and they want to show up. Hey, here's what I know, and here's what I've done, and it's just. Oh wait, so this is the thing they put. I'm sorry, I was just like spacing out in a funny way there. But let's yeah. say I'm you have to Joel and I'm a blogger. <laughs> Somebody hit rewind there on that tape recording. <laughs> yeah. So there's a thing that I can buy a badge I can put on my yeah. website that that's, says what my rep is in Stack Overflow. That's right. Got it's it. an embeddable little widget. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the cool thing, the way I like to approach development on, on Stack Overflow is these guys, we sort of have a, a laundry list of things we want to do. And yeah. I let them sort of pick, okay, what, what do you want to work on, right? I mean, it's always more fun to work on the thing you're just interested in. And I think we have enough. The, the core is stable. There's no emergency fixes we have to put in. Right. Um, it's just more fun to own a feature that you're actually interested in. Yeah. And they can actually drive it. Like, I, I wouldn't necessarily have put that as a higher priority as Jeff did, but it's fine. Okay. You know, it's in, on the list. Jared. Well, um, in conjunction with what you were saying about unanswered questions, uh, I think Jeff mentioned it earlier about attaching a bounty. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe uh, sort of in that direction, but a person who has asked a question, if they haven't you know, received a satisfactory answer, they can sort of, you know, ping the question, say, I'm still around, I'm still looking for an answer that, that is going to answer yep. my question. So it would maybe bump it back on the home page. Don't attach. they do that by editing the question or refining it some more, or does that <laughs> no longer? That's one way to do it. I mean, the accepted way that I consider the accepted way, there actually was a question about this on Stack Overflow, and that was the accepted answer, which I totally agreed with, was like, okay, you're not getting answered your question, now you have to do more work. Refine your question, you have to make it more specific. Find more information about your question, say, oh, then I tried this. Then yeah. I tried this, then I tried this. And then edit it and put it right. up. Right, and that's totally legitimate because you're editing the question, which will push it to the top of the stack. We could just edit, hit edit, and hit the space bar, and then. Oh, hit we save. have had users do <laughs> that, actually. Yeah, and, and I that's, really don't, don't like want it. to encourage that. Uh, but yeah. Well, the problem is now they hit it four times, so it's right. community. You, right. you don't want it to be community. Yeah, right. So maybe there's a, you know, just a button, you know, vote. I'm still around, I'm still looking. So that it would sort of maybe highlight the question in some manner that if, if an accepted answer was given, mm -hmm. an extra rep bonus would be given to the guy who answered the question. It might even, you know, something as minimal. Sometimes I see a question, I want to answer it, and I see that it was asked three days ago, so I say, you know, that guy's not going to be around. You may right. not even know that I answered it. And so now instead of answering it for a person that I want to help, I'm answering it for 
the future person that comes along right. and searches the question in Google, and that's just like writing an article on on my blog, which is just right. work about some random thing that nobody. Um, part of that comes from the fact that you don't necessarily know that you're going to notify people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to find out that your question was answered, and it might be fixed by something as simple as a little flag that appears next to their name or some option that says they will get email when you answer this question, so go ahead and answer it. Or um, even give them the option when they click that still looking or still looking for an answer button, whatever it may be, uh, to have the date that the question was answered updated to to now uh, in that view of the question. So at least people who are considering whether or not to answer it, who might know the answer and are considering whether to do, like some of the things that I've done, I've done like research and I've written code and tested it before I put my answers up. And... uh, you know, if I see something that's more than about a day old, I probably won't make that effort. So if they have the ability to say, I'm still looking, like right. 25 exactly. minutes ago, exactly. then you want to help them. Right. Right. That's fair. All right, so, Jeff. So I, I think my wish is, is largely around tags. I think t- we're underutilizing tags at the moment. And part of it's just an architectural thing where the way we're storing it was sort of a get the first version ship way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not wrong. It's not bad. It's not hurting us. But... It's not necessarily going to scale greatly once we get to 30, 40, 50. It's just, it's just a single field uh, listing all the tags. It's a, an incredibly simple implementation. We, we have a table of tags with counts, mm-hmm. um, but basically for each revision, there's just a, a simple text field that lists the tags. But I would like to do things like, for example, um, show me where I got my reputation within tags, because a lot of people want to know specifically where you got your reputation, not just for your questions, but like what tags are you yeah. good at. And I think there's other reasons this will become important later in our system. I'm really good at VB6. Yeah, there we go. Or and uh, it, also within when you're doing searches and stuff, I want to summarize the tags that came back from your search. Because a lot of times there's all these cool related tags, not necessarily a tag cloud, but like tags that tend to go together. Mm-hmm. And that you can, because I want to really encourage people to, to spider the system by tags, because mm-hmm. it's one of the major reasons that's there. So they can find things that they can answer or whatever, mm-hmm. or just explore. Sometimes it's fun to just click around. Um, but right now we're only showing sort of the literal tags that are on that question. We're not showing any related tags. Um, it's just underutilized at the moment. So that, and then a second minor wish is just, I, I believe in this continual refinement. Like, if I work on the site and make it like 0.5% easier to use with some little tiny thing every day, that's awesome. I think after a month of that, it's going to be really great. Mm-hmm. So I view these little incremental improvements as, as equally important. Like, I feel like every day, it's kind of like we talked about earlier with my blog, I feel like if I haven't done something public every day, I haven't really sh- done anything. <laughs> if I haven't, like, made Stack Overflow better in some tiny, tiny way, that day, then I feel like I haven't done anything now. So I want to continue with that and make sure every day we're... And we've, we've been releasing new versions all the time. This is the classic web model. You just keep shipping new versions constantly. Yeah. And we do that. I mean, we'll, Is there a version stamp on the website somewhere? There's a subversion uh, build number at the very bottom. Okay. So you can tell if we've actually deployed it. So of course, one complaint is we don't really tell people what, yeah, <laughs> what actually went into each build. Put but the, some of it's really arcane, boring stuff. No, but if it's interesting, know. you can just put it on blog. That's like com to say, hey, new feature today. But if we did that, I would be like, you know how many blog entries that would be? It would yeah. be like hundreds. <laughs> That's we do a lot. Hey, uh, are you doing? It's in subversion. Yeah. Does it check in? You doing yeah, check in comments? Know if I want to expose some of the comments we have in our check in, <laughs> particularly with Jared. Yeah, you know, I agree. But but <laughs> maybe just a system where you, um, uh, I don't know what the easiest way to set this up is, but you just yeah. go through, you go look at those every couple of days and yeah. check off the ones that where the check in comment is interesting enough, right, to show the world. It's possible because it's not like a little internal. Sometimes code our check in comments aren't as descriptive as they should be. Like, they'll mean things to us, but we'd have to translate them. Right. Because sometimes I'll do that. I'll answer, like, a user voice question. They're like, what? What? Like, because yeah. I'm using internal terms. Like, oh, you, this revision's not attached here, and that's why you're having this problem. They're like, what? Even the word revision is an internal thing. That right. you got to remember well, that it's a, a wiki, and that 
every article has multiple revisions. Yeah, so there's a little bit of a translation. Which function. you don't necessarily notice sure. right away. So, so I think that's a little bit idealistic in terms of immediately just converting your, your check-in action over. Mm -hmm. But it's possible. Okay. Michael. Those are good. Those are all good near-term things. I think everything we described is like no more than probably two months out at most. Two months is one feature for per person. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess it's, we're not all working. Okay, Michael, what's your feature? Well, we, we already talked about the open ID. The open ID. Okay, the, you can have that one. Well, that that is my feature, but then I don't have anything to talk about. So I have another one. Um, <laughs> that that's my big one. But the, the the if you look at Stack Overflow, you have these talented, really smart people. They're putting a lot of effort into this. They're, you know, you can tell, if you want to spend some time, you could tell, like, that they're, they have a lot of knowledge about particular concepts or whatever. Um, if you look at, there's another website called Euler.net, I think it is. Project Euler? Project Euler.net. And um, you can go on there and, like, you can answer specific programming problems, and you, write, you have to write a program in whatever language you want, and then you can answer it. And, it, it and but it's it, a puzzle, though, right? Yeah, it's, a puzzle. It's, a, it's not a it's puzzle. It's an algorithm. It's, it's not an algorithm a puzzle. puzzle. It's an algorithm puzzle. It's not the puzzle you don't like where it's like... No, 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 no. Where this it's is, like there's a this pirate is and a hundred This is already They're programming. They're, they're mathematical right. questions, and you have to come up with an answer. There yes. is one answer. It's not a trick. There's just It's how you formulate the algorithm. So okay. you, you have to use... All of your data structures. So no one algorithm, algorithm is better than another. There's one absolutely. Well, correct. some of these, you, if you try to solve them in a in a elementary style, your program will just run forever. So you have to rethink the problem because basically it shouldn't take you more. I think it's like it shouldn't take it the program more than like an hour to find a solution. Wouldn't it be a something? game then to figure out who could do it the most optimally way? Maybe, but anyway, the, <laughs> you, get, point. you get points on this site for every yeah. question you answer, and you open up other questions and stuff. Yeah. You actually can't discuss the problem, the specific discussion forum that's attached to the problem until you right. solve the problem. You don't right. get access to that. Well, it's and cool. It, there, there's definitely some overlap there. It's a neat example. But they, what the, the thing I like about this website is you can see that these, there are some people that are extremely brilliant or they cheat. I don't know. But they're probably really <laughs> smart. There's a lot of really smart people that have answered Cheers. a ton of these questions. And you know, if I was going to hire somebody... And I wanted to hire a really good programmer. That would be a good pool of mm -hmm. people to go to, that have already sort of self-selected themselves in that way. And I would want to contact them and talk to them. And I right. think Stack Overflow is the same sort of thing. If 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 people were able to say, you know, like, look at all this knowledge that I have that I've given to this community, and and I also happen to be looking for a job or whatever. Here's my resume or whatever. Then mm -hmm. people could come there and be able to see that. And I think that would be. Right. No, that's cool. I mean, and this is the great thing about having. That's all a great idea. Yeah, really. Right, I stole it from Joel. So that's <laughs> <laughs> did you? Did you really? <laughs> but this is the cool thing about having all the different personalities involved. Is we all have different things that we've looked at that I think we want to steal the best ideas from both. I mean, that's always been the goal is mm -hmm. to build like you know the menudo of all the really good ideas that we think haven't been joined together quite the same way. Is that wrong? Minutia. No, I, menudo. That's a oh. group, isn't that? A yeah, it's, it's, it's a group, a, but it's also a. Oh, mean, sorry. Yeah. I thought you it was another one of your No, no, no. You, you jumped the gun there. You got very excited. I saw that glint in his eyes. I get, like, ooh. I get one a day. And so until I find it, I have to be, like, my ears have to be perked up. Yeah. yeah. No. Great hangover soup, too. Plus, you know, what's his name? Ricky was in Menudo. Martin. Ricky, Ricky Martin. Martin was in Menudo. But it does have meaning Sorry. in addition to being the band. It's a okay. meal made of a bunch of different stuff. So. Mm -hmm. So that's the that's that's what I consider what we describe like the two to three month view. Oh, I have a question for you. Yeah. Who who was in Arkansas? Uh, Jeremy, the designer. Oh, uh, okay. 
Thanks. I knew there must have been somebody that I never. Yeah. I just forgot. Jeremy, we, you know, we don't use Jeremy a lot because. Yeah. But some. He was definitely designer. pretty involved. He helped us immensely initially coming up with something that didn't suck design wise. This is. This some is, people say it still sucks. So well, whatever. But. <laughs> You know. The reason I brought that up is this is a bizarre process whereby I write an article for Ink Magazine and I send it to them, and oh, then right. they add a bunch of facts that are either true or not true, and I have to track down every single one of them. Sometimes they just make stuff up that would well, make the kind of article better. There's somebody out there tracking facts on this stuff. No, 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 no. When no, they, that's the fact checker. They, yeah, the fact checker is. Just but there's also the fact joke. maker upper. <laughs> <laughs> the fact checker is just there to make sure that I'm not completely pulling something out of nowhere, and they right. do what they can to check the facts. Right. But and th- th- and then they must have called you and gotten the Arkansas. Like I've gotten. Heard I got a long Jeremy email with a giant series of questions. Yeah. Which most of the answers were yes, 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 yes exactly. That's right. why the fact checking is a joke because you're just like yeah, well, yeah, yeah. There's no obviously you can't get one person to go along with your crazy lie but my editor will often go through no offense and he'll try to rewrite it better and sometimes he's missing he doesn't know the story but he knows that it would be really nice if somebody died at this point <laughs> so he'll write that into the article wow okay. <laughs> I'm exaggerating but typically it'll come back and there will be uh, it depends on how badly I wrote the original article if it's really badly written he has to rewrite it a lot it'll come back with five to seven factual errors in it because he's written so, rewritten so much of it uh, if it's pretty well written to begin with uh, and he is, or, or if it's really close to the deadline and it doesn't feel like we're writing a lot, then uh, he'll often just go with what I wrote and leave out um, the making up of stuff. Okay. Um, anyway, so that's why all of a sudden it came back mentioning a person in Arkansas who I didn't know who that was. So that's right. Thanks to Jeremy. We have I think we have My a mom great. Will be very I think we have I'm, a fantastic actually... graphic design, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I yeah. think it's really good. I, I I like it as well. I mean, I'm not entirely happy with the top nav. I just haven't really figured out how I want that to look or what it even should look like. I, nobody has come forward and said, "Oh, do this." And yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen anything better. But but uh, the basic like fixed design, sure, I think it's solid. Yeah, the the, I mean, the font size, the cleanliness. Uh, you know, there there are a lot of gigas on the site, and a lot of uh, pretty much all the negative reaction to the graphic design that we got from people in the first minute who wanted to post something on Slashdot the minute after the site went public. They were all like, it looks really busy or something like that. And they just didn't know what they were comparing it to, really. They didn't realize that it, it's, it's not actually busy. There is, it's true there's a, lot of, there's a lot of little satellites floating around the names of people because there's a lot of flotsam there with the badges and the rep and all that kind of stuff. Right. And there's the little votes on things and so forth. Um, but that's all there for a reason. And you quick, quickly figure out what that stuff means. And you, know, you learn to kind of parse it. Yeah, no, no, great. props to Jeremy, because honestly, I, I'd reach out to a number of people, and Jeremy was the only person that came to us with something. We looked at it, and we're like, wow, this is good. So it's professional. Right? This is like, yeah. yeah, this looks like something we could use, because, you know, what we had come with, obviously, was not good. Yeah, <laughs> and I think there's a, there's a tendency, especially with a lot of graphic designers that are used to working on maybe more commercial brochure-type sites, uh, you know, there may be a tendency to go for the heavy overkill with design, you know, with, where there's just everything has borders and shades and drop shadows and right. photorealism everywhere and all kinds of sort of like that remember the project aardvark blog that, oh, yeah, that yeah, dave yeah. shade did and the whole thing was like it was like graph paper and there were little sketches all over the I place like and that, photos actually. it looked i mean it looked good but you don't that's okay for a site you visit visit occasionally right it's for a site that you fit, visit regularly and you use kind of as utility um that stuff starts to get kind of annoying and it starts to feel like thick. It feels like you know what it feels like. It feels like when you go to a bad restaurant. A theme it's a restaurant. chain restaurant. Yeah, a theme restaurant. I know exactly. And the what you menu mean. is so <laughs> professionally graphic designed. Yeah. You know, there's little pictures of the food that have been painstakingly taken, and yes, um, this you know maybe pirates on page three. Right. Um, right. No, no. I, I'm I'm very happy, and, and and honestly, one thing I've noticed is that 
when I go to other sites, like the design of our site, just the, the way we sort of syntax highlight and we make it easy for people to do just basic stuff like bullets. Like mm -hmm. how many forms do you go to where people can actually create bullets? Mm -hmm. Like, because usually it's kind of the markup is kind of weird. The the one thing the nice things about Markdown is you just put the dashes in, and it just kind of most people just sort of gravitate work. to that. If they know sort of yeah, ASCII yeah. layout. Hey, it works really well. It works well for program, you get some for really nice informed. I've been in incredibly impressed. I'll go into threads. and I'm like, wow, this really looks like almost like a blog post. Like somebody's actually gone in and formatted it mm -hmm. right, like with real HTML. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's been a success in that regard. Like you could just almost like forget the content, just visually look at it and compare it to another forum, and ours will look better. Mm -hmm. Because we're letting people format stuff, mm -hmm. and we have sort of a rational way of dealing with source code that's kind of automatic. Yeah, we got to do that in fog bugs. Yeah, we've always sort of hesitated because uh, for some reason I, I always believe that you have to give people a WYSIWYG editor. Period. That you can't give people like a markup and a, like the two panes and stuff like that. And I think for programmers, this is not true. When your audience is 100% programmers, right? Uh, they 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 grind. There, there hasn't quickly. been a single person who said, "Why markdown? Make it. This should be easier to use. It should be more WYSIWYG." You know, one or two, but it's been pretty rare. Yeah, yeah. They're not. I mean, they can figure out Markdown. They're just like, mm -hmm. right. I don't know if this. This is just going back to the feature thing. I don't know if anyone requested this, but did did people have a problem finding things like with search? Um, like search, search is like reasonably well. Like there's full text search, right? It does that, right? But there's you're using, no. You're using SQL Server full text search right now, right? We are. We haven't. So those. keywords work, but it like a lot of times in with Fawbugs, people aren't searching for keywords. They're searching for things like. I, I know I edited it today, and it was opened by somebody else. Right. So I'd be like, edited, in Fabio's, you can search for that. I'd be like, edited colon today, opened mm -hmm. by colon me. Jeff. Yeah. Or me. Yeah. And it would find that. I don't, I don't really know that that's a big hurdle to Stack Overflow, but it, I was just curious if the, anyone would Well, it's going to show up. If they, if, they've, if they had any involvement right, in there's it, way to find page. that. There's a way to yeah. find that. But yeah. I'm just wondering if people were running into that. I guess most sites don't really offer that kind of search, that filtering kind of search, but... Yeah, so I had kind of punted on a lot of search stuff early on, just saying, oh, we're going to just magically add Google, and that'll sort of fix everything. And then the further in, along and in, in we get, I realized that Google is good at certain things. It's also not good at other things. There's actually legitimate uses for the site search feature that would be really hard to find in Google, um, particularly if you're using some programming term that's just generic. Mm -hmm. You know, and you have some specific applicability that you want to look. You want to no, look but at. No, what if you did a Google search with site colon stackoverflow.com? Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, if if it's an HTML issue that you're having with IE7, really you want to use the site search because we actually do allow one of the tweaks I made in terms of these special keywords is you can search for a word in brackets. That means it's a tag. So you could say put in tag, you know, Internet Explorer, which is the IE tag. You'd have to know that. Um, or i7, or whatever the tag oh, okay. to be, and then space, and then some keyword, and you're right. searching only questions that contain that tag. Right, that you're really sort of already doing that. You're fil you're, you have filter axes, but the one, it's just the one. It's for the tags. Primarily right, right yeah. now, it's just the tags. And then in terms of finding stuff that you've done, like the trail of breadcrumbs of like, ooh, where have I left a comment, or where have I posted a question, that's all on your user right, page, right, right? right? Like if you look at recent activity on your user page, and then we have a responses tab, which was added a little bit later. But that would show any things people have posted on your questions or comments or even without even without special search operators one of the things we discovered with bug bugs between version 5 and 6 version 5 we use sql server full text search version 6 we switched to lucene.net and uh, one of the big different it was lucene.net right yeah what the heck did we do oh and we have mono on unix yeah okay um, one one of the things that happened with that switch is you distinctly got the feeling that it was finding things more Right. That like the, the, you used to have this feeling. Oh, okay, I'm going to type it into search, but and I know it's there, 
and it has a 50% chance of finding it. And with right. leucine, you started getting this feeling like it had a 99% chance of finding it. Right. I, I don't, I, it's hard for me to explain why that is. I'm sure there are technical reasons <laughs> that the Microsoft index just server is just, is just terrible. Yes. Well, the stem, um, I, think we could, I think the stemming for leucine is a lot better than maybe. what SQL Server Full Text Search does. I, I'm, I might be talking out my butt. I'm right. Really no, no. By, by no means. It's, like faster, it's faster, too, actually. By no it's means a, am I saying that SQL, SQL Server Full Text Search is perfect. I think we have been pleased with, we had very low expectations. Very low. Like, right, I was like, right, right. will it even work? Right, right. And it has worked, like, reliably. Yeah. Like, if I know a word is in there, that exact word, I can always get it back out. Yeah. Now the the difficulty rent is like when you don't know the exact word or that's where Lucene actually succeeds. Right, that might be bizarre. Yeah. You know, we have left that route open. We're not closing that. No, off. no, of course it's not, and it's, it's not it's not the hardest thing in the world to do when you control the server. It's very hard for us because right. we have to run on lots of different servers. We would have to get a lot of effort update into. their full text catalogs, and their full text right. catalogs would fail. You know, because it's all running on other people's machines, so that made it difficult for us because we didn't right. control. Yeah. That runs under a whole other service runs called uh, Microsoft Indexing Service that updates that catalog. It's not even in SQL Server, I think. Right, right. Um, and there's so this. Well, this is one of the biggest problems with uh, the way SQL Server does search is because they use they rely for the full text search on Microsoft Index Server. The coordination between the Index Server catalogs and the SQL Server databases is done with like a thousand little nitty gritty registry entries that consist of GUIDs. <laughs> and there's like chains and chains of GUIDs that you have to follow and it's all just a big glorious mess. So uh, if you ever do something like detach and reattach a database or move a database or anything like that, the index thing is always messed up because you haven't done the right thing to those billions of little tiny registry entries. Right. Um, I think that was actually really what caused the first problem when we had our first oh, yeah. trial server and we had like a thousand Databases. We didn't have full text search in that, on that, did we? Yeah, and that was always the problem, is that oh. something would get screwed up with the indexing service, and you know, once you reached a, no, a certain number of databases in SQL Server 2000, you would get to like 1,000 And it would start well, off. You have to be careful, though, because they've yes. really been rebuilding. Even in 2008, like, search is totally different now. It's, yeah. like, fully yeah. integrated. Really? Yeah. Well, like it's they, about time. Well, Are you using 2008? Well, we're using 2005. I'm waiting yeah. for a service pack one on 2008. Okay. One thing that has 2008 has that I'm kind of intrigued by, because I was like, well... Why should I upgrade the continual <laughs> chain of upgrades that you're always on the treadmill? But they actually do database compression, which I think would maybe be a big win for us because the way we store revisions is very uh, naive, maybe is the right word. <laughs> Every time you edit something, we store the entire text of yeah. what you did That's twice, different. basically. Yeah. What? So I think compression would be maybe oh. a big win for us. I was looking at that. What, what does it mean by compression? Basically, it's like a strength field and then compression, it so that you know you're not seeking. You can just fit more crap in memory. I mean, it's very simple oh. actually. Like, say I, I have a hundred records cached from a query that I just did. Well, they would all be compressed. It's just to increase your instead of four gigs, you have eight. This gigs. is on disk Don't or in memory. You're just trading off CPU time for yeah. memory space. But which you know what? The only thing that we're ever going to be the only scalability problem we have right now is CPU time on the SQL Server. That's right. This and is the one thing that we can't buy more of when we've you know maxed out a single quad. Quad Xeon machine, right? With uh, so I wouldn't wouldn't go too far down that route. Because I mean, we, we, we obviously we have CPU overhead right now. We could, we could use it right now, right. but as we get bigger, you know, our first plan is to move SQL Server onto a dedicated machine. Right. But then once that machine fills up, then we're going to have to do some serious partitioning. Right. So um, the, well, if the indexes the, are right because of the whole you know what is it in log in or whatever the, the the indexes the way they work. I mean, it just takes a long time for indexes to really reach that limit, right? If if everything you're doing is on an index. You can scale for a long, long time. Yeah. I mean, isn't that true? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, there are somewhere there's a SQL Server thing that's running, you know, 
a billion queries per second or whatever. Sure. I don't, I don't know what the, what the high transaction ones are, but I'm thinking probably like a um, like this is probably just some telephone company that every phone call is getting a record inserted into a SQL Server database somewhere. Sure. And that's probably one of the highest. You know, that's probably one of the largest volume ones. Right. Uh, well, before and we there are. Yeah, I mean, there are obviously there are ways to make clusters. Although I don't know if that helps. Um, but right. but the trouble is, as soon, as soon as we actually hit that CPU limit of a single SQL Server, that's the point at which it would take us a substantial amount of engineering to get past sure. that scaling bottleneck. Right. Um, but right now, but I'm, that's know. so far out in the future that yeah. I think it's not a concern. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I don't even like to think like a year out, and I think we're... <laughs> Um, but I want Jeff to talk a little bit. So we actually had a little bit of difficulty with Google. Like, I know Jeff actually understood it better than I did, and I, I thought I understood how Google worked. But it was surprising to us that I had mailed you early on. So first of all, just to get some baseline numbers. So like on the second, by the second day, 10% of our traffic was search traffic. Mm -hmm. Now, by now, it's like at, what, 25% today? So it's continually growing. Wow. Um, so it's been a pretty large percentage uh, from early on. So I sent you a little email saying, oh, look how good we're doing on Google. It was like some, it was like great programming quotes or something. And I mailed that to you. But three days later, yeah. we were nowhere to be found. That, well, that like, question was nowhere to be found or Stack no, Overflow if you general? search for that phrase on Google, what, you, we Stack we Overflow. All of a sudden, we were gone. I was yeah. like, how did this happen? Like... Because I had the idea that Google would just sort of keep things around, but obviously it's not. It's culling things out. Was this on the beta switch after? We, no, well, no, no, no. Jeff, right. Jeff actually, Jeff beta. actually sort of educated me on this, so I want him to talk about it a little bit. But, but what was our strategy? Because we were seeing this behavior. Yeah, yeah, we were just relying on the fact that the spiders would crawl our front page and just walk every index or walk every hyperlink in, into the site and uh, pick up our content. But you know, that's not necessarily the case, especially when you have frequently changing content on the home. Right, like pagination, for mm -hmm. example. I mean, clearly it was never really getting beyond page one. Right. right. They actually, it's very hard for these spiders. They can't search forever because they might get into an infinite loop and not even know it. Sure. Yeah. Because uh, a page, for example, may be constantly changing as it shows different ads or something like that. Right. And based or on maybe or maybe artificial generated. And so they really have to, uh, they really have to be very careful. That's that's actually okay. You can, okay. Yeah. Don't they? They don't you have to do like I, I remember reading about this before, where it's like certain GET queries. Like if you have a URL and then you have parameters at the end, they had to have a certain format. If they looked the in a certain way, then Google wouldn't follow it. But if they looked a different way, it would. There like, may yeah. be some truth to that. Um, but the the way we were able to solve this is by building a sitemap XML, which is a pretty common thing to oh, do okay. in a in a dynamic a site that has dynamic content and changes fairly rapidly. So now we have an index a sitemap XML that will basically tell inform Google as well as the several other search providers. I think uh, Yahoo and uh, all the major ones, support MSN. This. Or, Few, a few of those other ones, all cool. the sitemap XML cool. open standard. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. And, and they Every time anybody mentions them, <laughs> people are going to laugh. Cool. Yeah, so the spiders the are a little bit more educated. They'll still do, yeah. um, they'll still spider your site and walk the content that way, but they also have the information now as to where all of our questions are located. Uh, direct URLs to those so that they right. can pick those so, up So as well. tell them how big this file is. <laughs> it's like, what do we have? Probably up to 30, almost 4 meg now. Is it 4 meg? It's yeah. just a, a wow. simple XML file of like literally every question that isn't deleted in our system. Yeah. Because um, the alternative, if you think about it, why do blogs do so well on, on search is because they have so many permalinks that never, ever change. Yeah. Like blogs are just like a link farm. <laughs> right. Really. Yeah, right. If you think about it, and like other blogs linking to other blogs, like giant link farming scheme, really. You don't even have to search very deep in a given blog. Right. following the links because so many other people will be deep linking into them yeah. from their homepage. Right, right. Yeah. So the natural inclination is like, oh, I'll just build a page that has a link to all of our questions. But then you think, okay, what is that going to look like to Google? You have a page that has 
a million links on it. Thousand links on it? That's yeah. a little scary. I think they give up after a certain number of K on right. a given page. It just seems really like sketchy. After a certain at first point, I was like, oh, let's them. just build a page of links. We don't need all this extra no. crap. Yeah. Then Jeff convinced me that that was retarded. Yeah. And, uh, they, I, think they, I think they actually the only follow links in the first, uh, I don't know if it's 64K or 48K of the page, some, some right. small number. So sitemap is the official blessed way to do this. When mm-hmm. you have a site that has just constantly changing content, or worst case scenario, you have a site that's like a, a search box. Like Google itself would be really hard to index, right? Yeah. I mean, well, you wouldn't. It would be recursive, but... Yep. No, sitemap is a great... Has that worked? Uh, yeah, it has. It took, it took a, quite a while. It took like three or it almost three a, full days. But now days. every question is fully... Like any question... One thing that frustrated me is like I felt like I should be able to type the title in literally into Google and get the question. Right. Because where else are you going to find that exact string characters in that order in the title in the URL? Yeah. Right? It's like doubly, triply good. Right. Um, and now you do. For any given question, you can go do that and it works. Yeah. But how are you going to... How does this go forward? Like what... A, I mean, every question is always going to be in that file. That well, file becomes 40 megs it, and 400 becomes, megs. And uh, there's limits on that site. Mega you have to split it. It's like and 10 megs. And at some meg. point, you then have to have a, a page which links your sitemap files. You can, you uh, okay. can split them that way. And there are limits to how big they can get and how meg. many links you can include in, in them. So, yeah. so there must be some absolute li- limit on the number of pages that Google will. Um, We're probably not. You can close. actually, on top of the fact, that, okay, so 10 meg is the individual limit. So then you have 10 10 meg files. So what do you do then, right? You've hit that limit. Uh, and what Google, the, the actual help page says about this is then you just have to say, okay, these are our most recent 100 million, whatever it is. Because mm-hmm. you've got millions of pages, right, yeah. that, that you need to feed to Google. Hey, what, what, what's on what, one line has the URL and the title or something, or just the yeah, URL? There's a, there's URL. A priority. Yeah. The URL, which a priority is basically how important is this page Got it. Uh, amongst the other pages that you have on your site. It's an Does, internal priority. Now, our URLs have a bunch of stuff at the end there that's made to make them look like good mm-hmm. URLs that you can delete. Right. right? Well, we so don't we want could to delete require, that, though. I know we don't want to, but for the less important questions or the older questions or questions that never got answered or stuff that we care less about, we could put them in the sitemap.xml in a slightly would, shorter form. I don't think that would save a whole lot. Right? Why? Yeah, it would like be like every character's the, a yeah, byte. I every mean, character's a byte. If you take all the, the, the three quarters of the questions that we have that never got an answer that oh, were voted down to minus four, yeah. like we basically decide this is really important. It's got to be in sitemap.xml. We, we have to you know, choose our favorite. I, may, I don't know if we're going to hit that. Yeah, we'll see. But, but, I mean, you, but if you're right to point that out that there are right, absolute yeah. limits in that system. It is a little scary in the sense that you're building you can have too much data. This is four megs after what, two weeks? Well, three weeks? So it's really been two months. Yeah, okay. You know what? If you hit that limit, let me know. We'll call up Google and we'll explain to them the problem. I'm not sure they're going to be. This is the great. There's probably 800 engineers at Google that are already relying on Stack Overflow to get their daily work done. So but the fun thing about working, they'll fix it. The fun thing about working on Stack Overflow is I really thought I understood how Google worked. I mean, I've been using it for God knows how long, and you know, working uh, on this stuff, you you really learn a yeah. lot. And uh, that was also one of the, the other parallel goals was not to be the full-time blogger guy, but also be building stuff because you really it just you forget you forget and it's just nice to learn stuff man by by doing and building and For certainly sure. we've learned a ton of stuff around security as well uh but yeah. that one surprised me i really thought google would do a better job of just magically working but you really have to give it quite a bit of help in our scenario yeah so yeah 25 i think it's over 25 percent of our traffic now driven by google search Right, so I'd expect that to go up. Our, our traffic matrix is kind of interesting. We have, I think it's like 40% come directly to our site. Like they just literally type in the URL. Oh, they go to the bookmark. They're, yeah, they're, bookmark. Those are our regular users. Yeah, and like, like 25% like search, and then the other are through referrals. Like so it's a, pretty, it's a really even pie split. Yeah. 
The referrals will go down a little bit, I think, because that's mostly driven by people talking about this new site, Stack Overflow, that they use. Um, eventually, they'll run out of interest in doing that. <laughs> uh, the, the Google will be sustained. I don't know. I should look at some old sites. I think there's still... You know what? There'll be referrals on interesting questions. There'll always be bloggers pointing out a question that they ask. Like, they'll put a question up. That might go up. Uh, and then they'll link to it so that their friends, or they'll Twitter it so that their friends right. uh, know to go answer it. Right. To try to get people to go look at it. Just like people link to their eBay auctions. Sure. That makes sense. How are we doing on time, by the way? I mean, I know we're not. Oh, yeah. oh like how long has it been recording? 220. Uh, well, because we have that, that uh, Ellis Island uh, thing at uh, 3. So. Yeah, we're running now. Oh, it's 220 now. Well, it's really close by, so oh, we only probably need 20 minutes to get there. Right. More like 10. 10. Yeah, 5, 10, yeah. We just, it's down by Battery Park, right? Yeah, it's yeah. two blocks away. Yeah. Okay. No, not a problem. It's going to be cool. Um, and then the other thing we want to talk about... This is a good about, day to go to Stack Overflow. It's, cla- it's, it's foggy. It'll be just like no, coming in on the To go to Ellis Island. You Ellis said Island. to go to Stack Overflow. <laughs> Which today is a good day to go to Stack Overflow, too. Today is a good day. It's always a good day. That was a... I don't know. It wasn't a Freudian slip. It wasn't a Freudian slip. slip. It was no. some kind of slip. Programming yes. slip. It was a yeah. Euler slip or something like that. <laughs> right. Right. So anything else pressing? I think that, that was a good, because no. I wanted to have this discussion with these guys here. Yeah. Because we had had some pieces, parts of this, but now we got it on audio so you can hold us to our word. Oh, yeah. I should go uh, archive that somewhere. <laughs> yeah. In a vault. Man-sized vault. <laughs> what? <laughs> Dick Cheney joke. Oh, uh, Okay. Um, what else? That's it. That's it. Go Have a great weekend. Ellis Island. <laughs> yeah, go see Ellis Island. Yeah, the weather looks like it's cleared up, which is nice. It's not actively raining. It's cleared which is up. A plus. Did you bike today? No. I hope you enjoyed it's the freedom problem. when you go to Ellis Island. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate all your freedoms. <laughs> I will. Yeah. Bless him here. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that was good. I mean, I think we did. Yeah, well, before we close, do you guys have anything? That, like, anything? Like, Topics. Why am I such an team? ass? That sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's it like to work for this? Yeah, cover up his ears. What's it like? <laughs> what does Joel do here? <laughs> You've been listening to Stack Overflow with Jeff Atwood and Joel Spolsky. The Conversations Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need your help. For a tax-deductible donation of as little as $5 per month, you can support this channel and the rest of the Conversations Network. So please visit conversationsnetwork.org to become a member and help us continue to bring our programs to the world for free. Our audio files are delivered by Limelight Networks, the high-performance content delivery network for digital media. The post-production audio engineer for this program was Joel Spolsky. Our website editor was Jeff Atwood. The series producer is Jeff Atwood. This is Phil Windley. I hope you'll join me next time for another great presentation from Stack Overflow here on IT Conversations.